If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Bonus Break. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. And friend, in today's bonus break, I am going to share with you a question that a coaching client asked me, and honestly, it stumped me. I really had to think about the answer. And so I am going to share with you that long thought about answer. Before I do, let me just share that the bonus break is a shorter episode you can listen to while taking a tea break and get the added bonus of making you and your nonprofit stronger. The bonus breaks are solo episodes that are done by me. I'm a consultant, a coach, and a confidant for leaders at small and large organizations across the country. And in this work that I do and in every bonus break, I bring three decades of leadership and consulting experience, building, growing, leading, and yes, repairing nonprofit organizations. As I was recently preparing for the end of a year-long coaching engagement, a coaching client asked me to share some advice that I wish someone had given to me earlier in my professional career. Now, I have to admit, I thought this was a unique twist on the question that I often get asked. What advice would you give to your younger self? But when I thought about what I wish someone else had shared with me, honestly, I didn't have a good answer. I had to to put some real thought to it. You see, I started my professional career about three decades ago. And as I've often shared on the podcast, I've made mistakes along the way. So I really had to reflect on advice that would have saved me from angst and anxiety while also propelling me and the organizations I was working for even faster. I'll also just share with you that my client's question was actually a tough one for me to answer because honestly, I have been incredibly fortunate and privileged throughout my career. 
Now, we often think about these hard-learned lessons a lot less than we do our successes. So after mulling it over for a few days, I was able to identify three ideas that I sincerely wish someone had shared with me back in the early 90s. Of course, this advice is also relevant to me today as I look out on the final third of my career. The first thing is I wish someone had told me, Dolph, be bolder and humbler in everything you do. Now, I realize that that might sound like a contradiction. How can I be bolder and humbler? Well, it is essential that if we're going to increase how bold and brave we're being, we also have to increase our humility. Throughout my career, honestly, I've not always set really bold goals for myself as a professional or for my department as a manager or when I was an executive director as a leader. A good example of this is while running the LGBTQ Center in Philadelphia, I spent the better part of six years pursuing some significant facility projects that honestly lacked a clear and ambitious vision. So with the team, we raised a couple million dollars in capital funding, and it allowed us to make the building more accessible by doing things like Uh, installing a ramp, installing an elevator, installing a lift at the front stairs. But even with those improvements, honestly, the building was still not fully accessible. We also were able to replace an aging heating system, which for a building of this size, it was about a 15,000 square foot building, and the the heating system was probably close to 100 years old. Um, that That was a big expense. And we shored up the foundation of the building so that honestly, you know, the building just wouldn't fall down. But if I had been bolder, the goal would not have been piecemeal improvements and enhancements. Instead, we would have raised many more millions of dollars to knock down the building and erect a modern facility that our community truly deserved. I'll also share with you, friend, that I feel so grateful and fortunate that the person who followed me is still there. He's been there, I think, about 14 years now or somewhere around there. And and that's exactly what he's now doing. He's raising tens of millions of dollars to build the facility that our community deserves. He's acting in a bolder way that had I done that 20 years ago, that organization would be further along. And my predecessor would be taking on other big, brave, bold goals. A second instance of me needing to be bolder happened when I transitioned from my first job at a family service agency. I recently recorded a bonus break about it, so I'm not going to repeat it. But essentially, you know, I I took a significant pay cut. I accepted like a 25% salary decrease to take that job. And honestly, as I also shared in that bonus break, that had a long-term impact on my own financial well-being because If you take a big reduction, those 3 or 4% annual increases are on less money and end up being less as well. I wish that I would have been bolder and held out for an organization that was willing to pay me a fairer wage for the position that I was ready to take on. Now, I've talked about how I would have been bolder. I also would have been far humbler in all that I did. Just to be completely frank with you, friend, Often, my own hubris and my own ego have been my worst enemies. I will always remember the first big grant project I was leading. 
I was in the first year of my career. I had just landed a $343,000 federal grant, which might not sound like as much money now, but you know, 30 years ago, $343,000 was a lot of money. And we'd spent three months really planning exactly how we were going to be implementing this grant funding. And after those months of partnering with the program director to plan the implementation of this six-figure federal grant, we opened our doors for the first day of service. And you know what happened? Not a single client walked through those doors. So here I am in my very early 20s, and I could not imagine a more disastrous scenario. So I went home that night, and I started to, I started to really just ask myself, hey, why did, why did this failure to launch happen? And I worked feverishly, drafting alternate outreach plans. And because email was not yet a thing at that organization, I literally was leaving program staff multiple voicemails about tasks they needed to take the following morning to fix these issues. Now, just to be clear, I wrote the grant proposal that was funded, but I was not the program director, and I overstepped my boundaries. I should have acted with far more humility there. I certainly should have written my ideas down, but then I should have gone in the following morning and shared them privately with the program director, asked her for her feedback, asked her to help me make those ideas even better based on her decades of experience, and then started as a team to support that team, and to move us forward. My brash actions that day not only lacked humility, but I'll share with you, they they also alienated my colleagues and the program director. Being humbler in how I approached this would have made me a better team member and also, frankly, a better peer leader. So my actionable advice was just that. In being bolder, it's important to set goals that actually scare you just a little bit. After all, a goal that you feel confident about achieving isn't a goal, it's a milestone. But you can't stop there. It's important to temper your boldness and your big goals with humility. And this will ensure you build relationships that actually enable you to achieve those big, bold goals. So the second piece of advice that I hope someone else would have given me would have been to be choosier about the jobs that I accept. My career spans about three decades, two as a nonprofit employee, and then one decade as a consultant. During that 20-year stretch as an employee, I worked for five different organizations. And over the course of those 20 years, I did everything. I started as a case manager and a grant writer and eventually became a development director and then eventually became an executive director. And of those five employers, three of the organizations that I chose to go to work for were a good fit. And when I say a good fit, that means I was the right person to fill that organization's open position and their organizational culture and opportunities were the right ones for that stage in my career. Now, if I shared with you that three of those five were a good fit, that also means that I wasn't well-suited for two of the organizations that I went to work for. Now, that's not a great track record, right? 40% of all of my professional employment, I took jobs with organizations that I just wasn't necessarily a good fit to be at that organization. 
in the first of those positions, I was literally only at the organization for about 13 months. I didn't feel seen, heard, or included as a gay person within that organization. I will also share with you, that's the organization that I took the big pay cut to go to and become their development director. So I didn't feel fairly paid. So between not feeling seen or heard as a gay person and not feeling fairly paid, I've realized pretty quickly that this job was probably not the right fit for me. And frankly, I saw enough of those signs before accepting the job that I should have stopped myself. But somehow I convinced myself that it would be different after I'd worked there a while, that, you know, they would get to know me and I would be seen and heard and included. And gosh, I even said to myself, you know, after six or seven months when I'm bringing in lots of money, they're obviously going to be like, Dolph, hey, you deserve more money. And honestly, that didn't happen. I did bring in significant money for that organization. But when I talked about salary and an increase, I was kind of told, you know, maybe 3% or 4% for you this year. The second and final time I accepted a job that was not right for me was actually my last position as a permanent executive director. I've talked a lot on both this podcast and the blog about why that organization was not a good fit for me. And I've also publicly discussed the many ways that I contributed to the issues that I faced as executive director there. So I'm also very clear it was not a good fit and I contributed to issues. But one of my main critical mistakes, honestly, was accepting that job. I will always remember the interview after a full day on site with that organization, with an interview with a board member and then staff members. I have to share with you that I saw several red flags. Let me just share the two biggest flags. The first is that the only board member present at all during the day I interviewed was the committee chair. That's right. The search committee chair was the only board member who interviewed me that day. Additionally, instead of my interview being in a private room, it literally was conducted in a hallway alcove. And this is for the executive director position. Obviously, warning bells were ringing in my head that morning, and I walked away from the interview thinking that I was not the right leader to support and coach them. So after returning to Philadelphia, I called the search committee chair and withdrew my name from the recruitment process. She expressed surprise when I told her that I was not going to move forward as a candidate and let me know that I was their top candidate. She also did a hard sell that this would be my dream job. I don't blame her for that. She was the search chair. What she was trying to do was fill the executive director position. I let myself be sold the fiction that I honestly didn't believe. Remember earlier when I said hubris gets in my way? It felt really good to be wooed and to be sold. Oh, no, no, this this is right for you. But it turns out that my gut was right. I was not the right person to lead that organization or that staff. Fast forward five years, I had gutted it out. And over that five-year period, the organization grew significantly under my leadership. But the cost to me, and more importantly, the cost to the team was simply too great. And friend, I often wonder how my life would be different had I stood by my first decision to withdraw from consideration. 
I would likely still have transitioned to consulting, but it would have been a very different path to consulting and honestly, a much less painful path as well. So my actionable advice is the next time you're looking for work, don't settle. Don't settle for the good enough position, the okay pay, or the could be worse boss. Hold out for the right job, the right position, the right boss, and the right compensation. All right, let's now talk about that third piece of advice that I wish someone had shared with me 30 years ago. I wish someone had taken me aside, even before I became a manager for the first time, and said, Dolph, you should be a firm leader that exudes kindness and compassion. Once again, you're seeing a little bit of a paradox here, right? When we think firm, we often don't think kindness and compassion, but these two have to go hand in hand. As both a manager and a leader, throughout my career, I have often struggled with balancing the delicate tightrope of being clear and setting firm boundaries while also demonstrating that I authentically care about the people I work with. Part of that, frankly, is my personality style. I am very task-oriented, and I love to get stuff done. Unfortunately, the GSD personality is far more likely to be transactional in working with others. It is far more likely that personality to just ask, is it done? Yes or no. Or to say, I saw you finished Project X. Can you do Y by Tuesday? Or to even just kind of throw out there, I've written this proposal in 15 hours. Why does it take you 25 hours? Let's just be totally upfront about this. That management style doesn't lead to long-term productive and trusting relationships. It can get people to do things for some period of time, but it doesn't create relationships. And relationships are what keep people productive and keep people at an organization. I really struggled with this earlier in my career. I would set firm boundaries and honestly come off as kind of a confrontational, not very nice person. Or I would way overcompensate and be overly flexible at the expense of our organizational goals and achieving the mission. And that didn't actually do my direct reports any favors when I did that either. The tightrope for me was just too difficult and too scary to walk. It has, frankly, taken me decades to learn how to be a firm leader that shows kindness and compassion at the same time. And I really wish someone would have shown me how to be my authentic, task-oriented self while also truly caring about and for the people around me. Like every other piece of advice that I've shared with you today, this would have saved me and everyone around me a lot of heartache. So my actionable advice for you is I want you to imagine that the people you lead or manage are speaking at your funeral. And what do you want the eulogy to be? And my hope is those eulogies strike a balance. The people speaking are saying, when I reported to Dolph, he challenged me and he also supported me. I don't want any of the mourners at my funeral to stand up and say, Dolph let me get away with everything, or I hated Dolph. He was a terrible boss. I'm glad he's dead. So I would like to think that if someone gave me these three pieces of advice, let me repeat them very quickly, be bolder and humbler in everything you do. 
Be choosier about the jobs you accept. And be a firm leader that exudes kindness and compassion. I would like to think that if someone gave me those three pieces of advice, I would have avoided big career mistakes and experienced more joy along the way. And also very importantly, everyone around me would have experienced more joy as well. I hope that these three actionable pieces of advice are helpful for you in whatever stage of your nonprofit leadership journey you are in. And if you found this bonus break helpful, I hope that you will take a moment and rate and review the podcast. That, my friend, is our bonus break for this week. I hope you have gained some insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive. And the lawyers make me say it. I'm not an accountant nor an attorney, and neither I nor the consulting practice provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please, if that is what you need, find a licensed, qualified professional in your area and get the counsel you need.